Good morning. It's great to see everybody. For those of you who are guests, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Bill, and it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at the table. For those of you who are watching online, thanks for tuning in there as well. Um, if you are a guest with us, you know, like we've already said, you never know what you're getting yourself into when you come to a new church, but I want you to know our goal um, for everyone who's a part of the table is to see your faith come alive. And what we mean by that is that faith is that determining factor for how you live. And so all of our ministries, everything that we do is geared towards that. Um, but if you do have questions about the church or anything that you hear this morning, I would love to visit with you after the service for just a couple of minutes this morning. So I'll be out at our connection area, so out the doors to the right. I'll kind of hang out there for just a couple of minutes this morning. And I'll only be there for a couple of minutes this morning because today is our um, annual year-end congregational meeting. Um, and so if you are a partner with us at the table, we encourage you to stay. If you are a regular part of the table, know that you are invited to stay. If you are a guest with us and even here for the very first time, know that you are more than welcome to stay. Um, and so I don't know if you want to do that, but you can. Um, and so if, uh, we'll just begin that a couple of minutes after the service this morning. Um, two items on the agenda, so it's going to be really short. Like we did it in between services, so know that you know, it can't be any longer than that. Um, and so there's two items on the agenda. One is affirming new elder candidates, and then um, the second thing is looking at the budget for next year. And so we'll work through that really quick, and then we'll be on our way. So, but we've got that after the service this morning, so a couple of minutes when we, after we get finished um, in the service. Like Cody said, we are beginning a new series of messages today. It's called Regifting. And so I wonder how many of you have ever re-gifted something. And I don't mean just giving away something that you have had for like a long time. I mean like literally wrapping it up, putting the bow on the package. Here is your present, this thing that had been given to you. Now, if you have re-gifted something, likely the reason that you have re-gifted something is because that thing that you have been given, it doesn't fit you. Maybe it doesn't fit your style, if it's an article of clothing or even a, a piece of home decor or something. Um, if it's not something that doesn't fit you, doesn't fit who you are, then maybe it's uh, you already had one, and so you couldn't use it because you already had one. You didn't really need another one, but typically if we're going to re-gift something, that's, that would be the reason because it doesn't fit us, it doesn't meet our you know, just suit who we are, our personality, our style, something like that, or we already have one, so we don't need it, and so we're more than willing to give it away to somebody else, because if it was something that we really liked or we really needed, we would keep it, and we would not give it away. Uh, over the years, like for a long time, we have done a staff Christmas party, and at our staff Christmas party, we always do a white elephant gift exchange. Probably most of you are familiar with that. It's where everyone brings a gift, but it's not specifically for a person, and you draw numbers to see who goes in what order, so you can choose whatever gift you want, and there's steals and things like that. It's kind of fun. It goes back and forth to end up, you know, see who ends up with, like, the worst gift. If you've never done a white elephant gift exchange, never seen that before, I would highly encourage you to watch the episode of The Office. It might even be from season one. Um, the white elephant gift exchange is a big player in that episode. It's quite funny, so I would encourage you to watch that. Over the last couple of years, though, we have told our staff members not to buy anything for this gift exchange, that you have to find something that is just laying around your office or laying around your house. And I think that is the only time that I've ever re-gifted anything. 
The reason being, I, I'll be, be honest, like I'm afraid to re-gift something. Because the last thing that I want to do is communicate to somebody who has given me a gift, hey, I loved your gift so much, I was just going to pass it on to somebody else. So if I don't like it, I'll keep it. If I don't need it, I'll use it. Like if it's a, a shirt, I'll figure out how to wear that shirt once somewhere. In fact, years ago, when I was wearing a tie all the time on Sundays, on a couple of different occasions, I had folks in the church give me a tie. And I listen, I don't mean to offend anyone, but I got these ties, I would open them up, and I was like, in my mind, like, that's terrible. I mean, like, you know, ties with, like, words on them, or maybe a depiction of the crucifixion at the bottom, or depiction of the crucifixion with words. And I just thought to myself, like, where can I, I cannot wear this thing out in public. But I figured it out somehow underneath a sweater so that no one could see it. But I wore it at least once. Because, again, I don't want to offend anybody because I appreciate the fact that somebody thought enough of me that they wanted to give me a gift. If you give me something and I already have one, listen, I'll use yours at least once, even if the one that I already have I like more or is better. Because I don't want to offend anybody. So typically, the only reason that you're going to re-gift something is because that thing, you don't like it or you don't need it. Otherwise, you would keep it for yourself. But that is not what we are talking about in this series called re-gifting. Because hopefully, there is something that you have that's changed your life. Something that you cherish very much. But I will tell you, it is something that you must give away. And what you must give away is the truth of who Jesus is and what he's accomplished for you. It's What we're talking about in this series is giving away what God has so generously given to us, which is a Savior. So I'm going to challenge you, be challenging you to do that throughout this series, but we begin today by talking about the day that you first met Jesus. For those of you who are married, I wonder if you can remember the day that you first met your spouse. Maybe it was ninth grade English class, if you were high school sweethearts. Or maybe it was the day that you went to the football game with your friend and his girlfriend and her friend, if maybe you met in college. Or maybe it was the day that you started that new job, first day, that new job. All of those things really sound like a country music song, so maybe Cody and I can work together and we'll, we'll actually put that song together. I remember when I first met Mandy, we were set up on a blind date. She was a student at TCU, uh, finishing up her senior year. Um, it was a group date that we went on. It's pretty awkward, honestly. It's a long story to that. I don't want to tell you the details this morning. Um, but a friend and I went to her dorm room to pick her up. And I was pretty nervous. I think I was 23. She was 21. Um, never been on a blind date before, so I didn't really know what to think. I was nervous and probably lacked awareness to realize I should do some preparation. Here's this person I've never met before. I don't want to run out of things to say, that kind of thing. And I guess I can admit to you all that uh, it wasn't the greatest first date ever, but listen, everything has worked out because next May we will celebrate our 20th anniversary together. So, like, it doesn't have to be great the first time. Um, you can survive that. But I wonder if you remember the day that you first met your spouse. If you're a parent, I wonder if you remember the day that you first met your kids. 
Now, for most of us, it's going to be the day that they were born, but I know we have some foster families and some adopted families in our church, and so maybe it's a little bit later. I'll be honest, at this point, I only remember bits and pieces of the day that our kids were born. With Nathan, our oldest, he's 15. Uh, on the day that he was born, I, the morning he was born, I was just absolutely exhausted because we had been up all night in addition to the fact that there were some complications with his delivery, so that created a lot of stress. And so I just think I blocked out most of what happened um, that night in early morning. With Caroline, it was a little bit different. Caroline just turned 12 a couple of weeks ago, and her birth was scheduled. So it was like, hey, show up at the hospital at this time. It fit our personalities a lot more. But the thing that I remember about Caroline's birth is that I almost missed it because the nurse forgot to come get me uh, when it was time for the delivery. So I was literally in the room about 10 seconds before she was born. I wonder if you remember the day that you met your kids. I wonder if you do this too, like I do. So when I go visit my family sometimes, my parents, every once in a while we'll get out the photo albums and just flip through that, looking at the events of my childhood to remember. And why do we do that? I think it's important to remember. It's important to remember what it was like when we met our spouses, remember why we fell in love, because marriage isn't always smooth sailing. You need to remember for those of us as parents, we need to remember the day that we first met our children, what it felt like when we held them in our arms for the very first time, because the reality is there are going to be moments where they're going to drive you up a wall, and you need to remember. We need to remember those events and the people in those photos that shaped our lives because they made us who we are today. We need to remember. As for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we would like to think that the Christian life and growth in the Christian life could be smooth sailing. If we were to graph it, it would always be up and to the right. There aren't any problems. There aren't any struggles. There aren't any moments of doubt or fear. But the reality is there are those times. We face trials and difficulties, and there are moments of doubt. There are times that we become afraid. And that's why it's important for us to remember. And so that's what I want to invite you to do with me today. I want to invite you to remember the day that you first met Jesus. The passage that we're going to use as we begin this series together is probably the most famous Christmas passage in the entire Bible. It's found in Luke chapter 2. And so I'll read here in just a second, Luke 2, 8 through 20. So if you do have a Bible, you can turn uh, to Luke chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible with you, it'll be on the screen as I read it here in just a second. Um, or if you have the Bible app on your smartphone, you can navigate your way to our live event and follow along there. But Luke chapter 2, the section that we're looking at, is the day that the shepherds first met Jesus. Let me read this for us. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, it says this. In the same region, shepherds were, straying out, were staying out in their fields, keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David was born uh, uh, today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in, tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. 
Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. After seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditated on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. You know, when you stop and think about it, the Christmas story, the story of the birth of Jesus, is the most unlikeliest of stories. Because the Messiah, the promised one who was born, he wasn't born in a palace, he was born in a stable, placed in a manger. His birth wasn't announced to royals, but instead an angel was dispatched to some shepherds. And they were the first to learn of the birth of Jesus. This is all highly significant within the life and ministry of Jesus, but the reality is no one would, expect it, would have expected it to be that way. But for some reason, God chose shepherds. Said so in the same country, there were shepherds in the fields keeping watch over their flocks at night. So the picture that's presented for us is that shepherds are out doing what shepherds do. They're watching their sheep, hoping that nothing out of the ordinary or unexpected would happen. That's what shepherds wanted. They wanted nothing to happen because when something extraordinary did happen, it was always bad news. It meant that there was a predator among the sheep. It meant that somebody was coming in to try and steal the sheep. They wanted nothing out of the ordinary to happen, but while these shepherds are out there in their field, minding their own business, doing what shepherds do, all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, came an angel to tell them about the birth of Jesus. Let's talk about who the shepherds were, because there's a lot been written about the place and role of shepherds in first century society. At best, shepherds were really could be viewed as average Joes of society. They're, they're the guys who worked really hard, worked really long hours to barely make ends meet in order to provide for their families. There was nothing glamorous at all about being a shepherd. Oftentimes, they were the overlooked but they were the average Joes of society. So at best, shepherds would be just average guys within the society of the day. But at worst, people had a really low view of shepherds. Scholars aren't actually sure how early these attitudes towards shepherds were. But by the end of the first century, people really looked down on shepherds. They categorized them as just slightly better than tax collectors and sinners. They were looked down on because they spent all of their time away from society, out with animals. The thought was, what kind of weirdos just spend all of their time with animals? Shepherds were often uh, charged with and, and accused of stealing from people, robbing people who would travel on the roads near where they were. So at best, they were average Joes. At worst, people had a very negative view towards shepherds, but it was to these overlooked or looked down on shepherds that were the first to learn about the birth of the Messiah. In the same country, there were shepherds in the field 
keeping watch over their flock at night. And then the angel of the Lord stood before them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I love the King James language. It's the same language that shows up in the Charlie Brown Christmas special. They were sore afraid. And of course, they should be afraid. I don't know. You put yourself in that position. How are you going to feel if an angel, angel appears to you? I will tell you, I would be afraid too. I don't know how well these shepherds knew the Hebrew scriptures, but likely they knew enough to know that angels don't often appear to people. And there was probably a 50% chance that the message that they received from said angel would not be a positive one. And so they were afraid. But the first thing the angel said is, don't be afraid because I bring you good tidings of great joy for all people. So this message that they were going to receive, this announcement that was given to them, was something to get excited about. But not just something for them to get excited about, it was something for everyone to get excited about. It's good news of great joy for all people, because today, in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you who is Christ the Lord. And all of those titles or designations are highly significant. First, we see that Jesus is referred to as the Savior. Now, if we were to go back and look at verse 1, verse 1 tells us this. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. Caesar Augustus, the, empire, the emperor of Rome. Now, he, had, he was known by several different things, different uh, designations for who he is. One of the things that he was known by is the Savior of the ordinary people. He was known as the savior of the world. Isn't it interesting that the angel said to the shepherds, hey, I want you to know Caesar is not the savior of the world because the savior of the world has just been born. And he is Christ the Lord. Christ is what we read in the New Testament for the Hebrew word Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one. And then we read that he is Christ the Lord. Now, what's interesting in the Greek, which is the original language of the New Testament, the article is not there. So what is more literally we understand is that the Savior who is born is Christ Lord or Messiah Lord, the promised one, the anointed one. And then Lord is the equivalent of what we read in the Old Testament as Yahweh. God called Moses from the burning bush, told him that he was to go and rescue the children of Israel out of enslavement in Egypt. And after a little bit of back and forth, Moses said to God, speaking to him from the burning bush, who should I tell them has sent me? I don't even know your name. And the Lord responded, tell them Yahweh or I am has sent you. This message of good news and great joy for all people because in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. This is a Savior for you. This is God's gift to you. And this is a sign you're going to find the baby wrapped tightly in cloth, lying in a manger. And then verse 13, suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. So we've talked about who the shepherds were. We talked about the message that they received, this good news of great joy. The Messiah, the Savior, had been born. Again, not really sure exactly uh, what the shepherds understood from the Hebrew Scriptures, but they recognized that this was a big deal. 
Because the Messiah was the one who was going to come and rescue Israel and restore Israel to its prominence. So even if they didn't understand everything, they understood that this was really, really significant. And then just as quickly as the angel appeared to them, the angels were gone. So we've talked about who they were. We talked about the message that they received. Let's talk a little bit about what they did as a result. It says that they looked at each other and said, let us go see this thing that we have just been told about. As it's presented to us, there is no question, there's no consideration, there is no doubt. Immediately they said, we need to go see this thing. We need to go see this baby who has been born. And so they went and they found Jesus and Mary and Joseph. Jesus was, of course, lying in the manger. So they went and saw, they wanted to experience this thing that they had been told about, but that's not the only thing that they did. Did you notice that? Verse 17, it says, after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. They recognized that this thing that had happened that night, this thing that they had been told of, this thing that was good news of great joy, not just for them, but for all people was so significant that they had to tell other people about it. They had to tell others about their experience. And all the people were amazed at what happened to the shepherds. So they went and saw, then they shared it with other people. And then it says they left glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen and experienced because they recognized that what happened that night on the night that they first met Jesus, it changed their lives. It's interesting in this passage that it's not just the shepherds that we read about their experience when they met Jesus for the very first time, because we also read about Jesus' mother, Mary. Verse 19 says, But Mary, treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditated on them. She remembered the day that she first met Jesus, too, because she recognized that there was something significant about that day. It's important to remember. And so I want to invite you, those of you who are followers of Jesus, to remember with me the day that you first met Jesus. I want you to watch this video. When I was 11 years old, after Sunday school, I told my parents I was ready to be baptized. So they studied with me, and in March of 1991, my father baptized me, and that's when I met Jesus. During a sermon, the pastor asked us to list the most important things in our lives, and for me, that was my family. Then he told us to put Jesus at the top of that list. June 4th, 2005, that's when I met Jesus. So I was at an RA camp, which is like Baptist for um, boys church camp, and like I was 10 years old, and it was after the worship experience um, one night, maybe the last night we were there, and that's when I decided to walk down the aisle, make the decision to follow Jesus, and that is when I met Jesus. I remember it was the summer before my freshman year in high school. I was at a summer camp in Missouri. We had just heard this awesome talk outside, laying on a football field about Jesus, and things I had never heard before had been spoken, and it was just like, ah, oh, it all clicked. Um, that night, laying on the field, and that is when I met Jesus. On a Wednesday night after youth service in ninth grade is when I truly understood the gospel for the first time, and that's when I met Jesus. I was 21 years old, and I was looking out my bedroom window. It was really late at night, and I knew that I needed a Savior, and that's when I met Jesus. I'm 12 years old, after a children's service on Wednesday night, 
I accepted him as my savior and asked him to be in my life forever. That's when I met Jesus. And for those of you that don't know, those are all uh, staff members here at the church. But for me, I grew up in a Baptist church. At the end of every service that I ever attended, there was always an altar call. And so if you wanted to ask Jesus into your heart, all you had to do was pray this prayer that was presented by the pastor. In addition to that, I, in elementary school, I went to a Christian school. And we used to have chapel once a week where a local pastor would come in and share a Bible lesson with us. And again, because the school was Baptist, we always had the opportunity uh, to ask Jesus into our heart, and all we had to do was repeat the words of the prayer that were presented to us by that pastor who was speaking to us at that given time. So by the time I was seven years old, I'd probably prayed that prayer like a thousand times. If this is what you do in order to go to heaven, listen, I'll say those words every single time. But I never told anybody about it. And I don't necessarily know if, if I know why I never did, Maybe it was because I understood that I didn't really know what I was doing, that I was just repeating these words like magic words, hoping that something would happen. But that all changed for me on a Monday night in the spring when I was seven years old. That week, we had a week-long children's program that more commonly is referred to as Vacation Bible School. Now, Vacation Bible School typically happens in the summer. Why our church had it in the spring that year, I don't know, other than the fact that I do know we had a family uh, come in who had a ministry to lead like Vacation Bible Schools, and so maybe they weren't available in the summer, but they were at a discounted rate in the spring, off-season, right? I don't know. I don't remember much about that lesson. I just remember at the end of that lesson, the lady was the wife from this family. She said, if you want to trust Jesus as your Savior, raise your hand. She didn't lead us in a prayer. She said, I just want you to raise your hand. And I don't know what happened. I don't know if it was just she asked the right question at the right time that made a difference or if she just, through response, caused me to affirm something that I had believed a long time ago, but I knew at that moment that I needed to trust Jesus as my Savior, and I knew that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And so it was that Monday night, week before Easter, when I was seven years old, that's the day that I first met Jesus. So what about you? What was the day that you first met Jesus? Who were you? Maybe you were a child like me. Maybe you were a teenager and you were invited to attend a youth group service with one of your friends and that night you heard the message about God's love for you and how he loved you enough to send Jesus to die for you. Maybe you were an adult at the end of your rope struggling with addiction or, or maybe dealing with some marriage problems and you just attended a church at random and you heard the message about a God who loved you so much to send his son Jesus to provide you a better way to live. Maybe that was the day that you first met Jesus. I wonder if you remember what you were told. Likely what you understood was just a simple message. God loves you. Jesus died for you, and all you have to do is believe. Maybe you understood the simplicity of the gospel, that when we could do nothing, Jesus accomplished everything for us. 
I think it's a shame that we as churches, and I put myself in that category, we overcomplicate things so that we lose sight of the simplicity of the gospel message. We could do nothing, but Jesus accomplished everything through his death and resurrection. I wonder as you look back at the day that you met Jesus, if you can remember what you did as a result of meeting Jesus for the first time. Maybe think about the changes that you've made in your life, the growth that's happened. Even if you came to faith in Christ as a child like I did, you you can think about maybe where your life would be if you hadn't met Jesus at such a young age. I wonder if you've been able to share that message with other people, share what happened with you the night that you met Jesus with other people. You know, what's interesting is that studies show you're more likely to share your faith within the first couple of years of coming to faith in Jesus than if you've been a Christian a really long time. I think part of the reason is because we forget. We forget the joy. We forget the simple reality of what God does when he gets a hold of our lives. Hopefully at different periods like the shepherds, you have been able to glorify and praise God for all that you experienced the day that you met Jesus. See, it's important to remember because life does get hard. We go through challenges. There are moments of fear and doubt. And we we need to remember what it was like the day that we first met Jesus. Now, having said all of that, I recognize that there may be some here today, some who are watching online, and maybe you have never met Jesus. You've heard about Jesus. Maybe you walked in the room this morning understanding something about Jesus, but honestly being pretty skeptical about what you knew. But I want you to know today could be the day that you point to. What is today? December the 4th, 2022. Maybe for you, this is the day that you first meet Jesus. The Bible says that we are able to enter into a relationship with God simply through faith. We don't have to do anything other than believe. Believing that Jesus is the promised one, the Messiah, the one who would come to rescue us from our sins and give us a new life. It's simply a matter of saying yes to Jesus and then God begins to do something in us that radically changes us. Maybe today is the day that you want to meet Jesus for the very first time. I want to do something this morning that I I don't normally do in our service, and so I just want to invite everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes with me. Because if you are here and you want to meet Jesus for the very first time, you can do so today. And again, like I just said a minute ago, it is by faith. It's a decision of believing that Jesus is the Son of God who loved us and who accomplished everything so that we could have a relationship with God. But sometimes it's helpful to solidify that decision by telling God what is going on in your life. And I'm not going to specifically lead you through a prayer this morning because I don't want you to think that the words that I say are magic words that you have to say. But maybe you just simply want to tell God, I believe and I trust Jesus as my Savior. 
Now, if you're doing that and you're meeting Jesus for the very first time this morning, let me encourage you to do something. Don't do what I did when I was a kid and just pray the prayer a thousand times and not tell anybody. Tell somebody the decision that you're making because that will solidify it too. And so maybe you're with somebody this morning and you can share it with them. If you don't feel comfortable doing that, you can share it with me on your way out uh, or shoot me an email this week and say, hey, Bill, on Sunday, I met Jesus for the very first time. What I want to do is to be able to help you understand the next steps to take so that you can begin to grow and allow the Spirit of God to change your life. Because the day that you meet Jesus changes everything. And for those of us who are followers of Jesus, what happened that day is not something that we can just keep to ourselves. What God has so graciously given to us, we need to give away to other people. Will you pray with me?